You ready to let the dogs out? What? Do what? <laughs> let the dogs out. You know, like, who let the dogs out? Who, who? You're listening to the Victory Bells podcast. Yeah, it's made with bits of real banter. So you know it's good. With the latest in everything Red Raider sports. I almost numbchucked you. You don't even realize. Hey, Ma! Can we get some meatloaf? Here's Will McKay. You know, I'm just a just a big, hairy American winning machine. If you ain't first, you're last. And Matt Clare. Hey, guys. Oh, big golf, huh? All right. Well, see you later. What is up, party people? Welcome into this edition of the Victory Bells podcast. I am Will McKay, joined by Matt Clare, as always, and... Uh, you know, got a lot of stuff going on this week. Glad you guys decided to uh, give us a listen here. I know a lot of people have uh, spring break going on and that kind of thing. But uh, I don't know, Matt, you uh, you and the fan. I mean, your kids are still pretty young, so I'm sure y'all don't really get into spring break, right? right? No, I'm doing Rivals Camp for spring break. Yep. That's, <laughs> that's kind of what I'm doing for spring nah. break. Well, but. well, I mean, my my, uh, my wife's a teacher, so she's, she's hanging back, uh, enjoying the, the time away uh, that the kids are at daycare and all that. So, uh, I mean, I'm still doing my thing. Uh, but, yeah, no, no no trips or anything like that right now. Uh, oh, the whole family's coming in for Easter, so cool. we're getting ready for that. Cool. Good deal, man. Yeah, and like you said, uh, Rivals Camp this weekend is kind of our spring break, so... Uh, we're going to get into that quite a bit here in a minute, but uh, to start things off, if you guys haven't been listening to the podcast, we've kind of started a new format here with how we're doing things where we're splitting it up into basically three different sections. The first section is just kind of Texas Tech news, and that can be anything that Matt or I kind of deem uh, big news from the week as pertains to football, basketball, recruiting, uh, maybe even baseball, whatever, just kind of is the big news of the week. We'll kind of riff on a couple of headlines from that and then we'll do off the radar which is just a couple of other stories that kind of intrigued us this week from uh, from sports that are just in general that are kind of going on and then finally we'll answer uh some of the questions from you guys over at red Raider sports that you've asked about uh, whether that be football basketball recruiting or just anything else off the radar so uh so yeah like i said doing three new segments and we'll go ahead and dive right into texas tech news and obviously spring break going on and that means just like every other year that uh march madness is getting started and uh for the first time since 2007 the good old red raiders have made the NCAA tournament heading out to raleigh this weekend to take on the ninth seeded butler bulldogs when which should be uh, a really good game looks like but i think more than anything matt and i mean you know, when I was in school, they never once made the NCAA tournament. They made the NIT, but, but uh, you know, never made the, the tourney. So it's just, I think most people are just so excited, especially with, you know, how things went against TCU last week. I think most people are just excited to see them get in. Yeah, no, I mean, I've said on the podcast many times, I mean, I uh, certainly, you know, back the Red Raiders, but uh, I don't follow the, the basketball team that closely. I'm, I'm glad to see they're doing so well, and, you know, I'm glad to see everybody so excited. I mean, when I, you know, when I look at it, I've filled out brackets in the past. I mean, Butler's just one of those teams that's always around. And so, um, you know, I, I don't know much about the matchup, don't know much about the probabilities. I'm sure you could fill us in there. But, uh, you know, it's an exciting thing to be able to, to, you know, see your team out there. I see everybody on social media, you know, sharing their brackets and changing their pictures to, uh, you know, Texas Tech and all that. All right. So pretty cool. Yeah, no doubt, man. And uh, as of we're recording this on Tuesday night, and 
uh, Butler was a four-point favorite, which for me was a little off. Uh, I kind of thought Tech would be a favorite, to be honest. I think it's a good matchup for Tech. But, um, but yeah, I think more than anything, it's just exciting to see them in there. And as far as coaching jobs, and I know you know we've talked about it before, and I know you know everybody that covers Tech sports has talked about it. You just can't say enough about the job that. Uh, Coach Smith has done with the basketball program in, in three short years has turned them around from a, a total dumpster fire into a, you know a team in the NCAA tournament and a team I think that has a lot of promise moving forward. So you know I think as long as you know you know you, you just don't have a rough game on Saturday that you just don't feel like you play your best you know whether win or lose I think you feel happy about this year and the results and uh, and where things are at moving forward with with the basketball program in general and 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 I know that Coach Smith has even said that. Uh, things are kind of picking up on the recruiting trail, and that'll be an interesting thing for us, too, to see uh, what kind of kids get interested now because, you know, you've seen some results, so there's some hard evidence to kind of preach to kids as far as what's going on with the program. Oh, no doubt. And, I mean, you know, going back to it, I mean, basketball recruiting is so tricky um, with all the transfers and the numbers and all that. And um, I think what I've noticed, even as a casual follower, um, but somebody who likes recruiting a lot, is that, you know, Tubby not only, you know, carries a lot of respect with, uh, you know, his background and the name itself, um, but he, he has built out a good a coaching staff. I mean, we're talking to kids from Florida now is basically their pipeline and right. all over the country. I mean, we've seen kids that, that they've been recruiting and um, I know that the basketball uh, recruiting for, for this particular cycle is kind of done and over with. But, I mean, I think, you know, earlier in the fall you had some some top 150 and four-star players right. in Lubbock. So it's encouraging to see, and, and hopefully he can continue to capitalize on that success. And, uh, you know, it's, it's just kind of cool because the basketball program has been, like you said, it's been sitting there dormant for a while. And so – um, you see that uh, the fans out there in Lubbock can really appreciate a, a, a winning program. And um, hopefully, I mean, you know, again, my expectations are, you know, win a game in the tournament, and that's just like a, right, which kind is, of a dream season. Yeah. Right? And then maybe after that, who knows? I mean, I, I'm not expecting much else. Well, yeah, I think I think if they beat, which, which is very much I think they can, I think they probably will. If they beat Butler, uh, you know, get into the round of 32, they're, they're going to have to take on Virginia. But... Uh, I think that pretty much the consensus is that but that uh, excuse me that Virginia is the worst of the one seeds and they're they're a good matchup for Tech because they're not like a high flying like high scoring offense they want to play defense and they kind of want to slow the pace down uh, similarly kind of to what Tech does so you know if, if Tech as long as Tech wins on Thursday I, I think they got a good matchup moving forward so uh, or got a couple good matchups kind of down down the road so uh, regardless man it's exciting and like I said Tech Tech getting underway. Uh, on Thursday at 11:40, so that, that's our first story uh, of the day. And uh, I know it's spring break, and uh, tech football is on hiatus since all those guys got uh, got the week off to kind of go, you know, blow off some steam and kind of hang out before they finish out spring ball after spring break. But uh, one comment I wanted to address from from last week because obviously we still want to talk about tech football as much as we can. Uh, you know, something that that kind of stuck to me and I think a couple other guys was. That Keenan Ward in in a spring football interview, I guess this was last, I believe it was last Tuesday. Whenever he said this, um, he said that uh, you know Coach Gibbs, his very first you know thing he said to them in their first spring meeting was that 
he wanted them to lead lead the country in, in turnovers um, this next fall. Which, I mean, you think about it. That's I mean, that's a daunting task. It's it's no easy thing to do. Uh, even with the improvement that Tech had last year, you know, you went from 15 to 25 turnovers uh, in a year, which was you know incredible. Seeing as Tech hadn't been able to get turnovers. Uh, basically since 2009, just hadn't had any luck on defense in any way, and you go from 15 to 25. But the team that led the country last year had 35 turnovers, and the last couple years before that, it was like 41, 43, 42, 44. Uh So, you know, I I just kind of think that you look at it as if you want to lead the country in turnovers, you're going to have to do what you did the year before and kind of replicate the same thing where you added 10 we're going to have to add at least 10 again to kind of get into that territory. So I just kind of pose the question to you, Matt. Do you think that's a realistic goal for this defense, or, or do you think that's you know really far out of reach, or, or just kind of what are your thoughts? I mean, it's not it's not out of reach. I mean, I do I think they'll get up to that many? I mean, I would be shocked. Uh, but... You know, we talked about it before. They, I know they're replacing guys, but uh, they still have the the foundation, if you will, up that middle uh, with Fajoko and Hinton and Johnson. And, you know, I just think that, you know, there's something to be said about that second year. There's something to be said about these kids growing yeah. up a little bit. Um, however, I do think that, I mean, 35, that's a lot, you know. So, it's a ton. I, I want to say that they'll get it. I, I just say, you know, uh, good for you for having, you know, the, the big goals. But, um, you know, hey, get 25 to 30 again, and, and you're doing really well. Just sure up that run defense and let Mahomes and the offense do their thing. I mean, I I think that's all that needs to be done now. You know, the, the big if is that is that run defense. But, Hey, I mean, I think that uh, the coaches put numbers on the defensive line. They they want to try some different things, and, and we're just all going to have to kind of sit back and, and wait for that. Right, we are. And I, th- I think whenever you look just kind of at this program and, and the identity of the program as a whole right now, there's just kind of two sides to it where on offense, you just want the ball. You want the ball as much as you can get it. You want as many possessions as you can have. And you're gonna try to, you know, you're gonna try to score a touchdown every single time you touch the ball, whether that takes, you know, 10 seconds or 12 minutes, doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and then defensively, your, your your goal and your first primary goal is get the ball back to the offense. Doesn't matter how, but you know, we would like to get do it by doing turnovers. And I think that's just kind of what everything's gonna revolve around right now. And you know, in order for I think for this program to take a step forward, you're going to have to see more turnover numbers because I'm not sure how much better that you're going to be, just pure, how much you know purely better you're going to be as a unit, just on paper. You know, you might be uh, the same, you might be a little bit, you know, as crazy as might be be worse just because you're younger, or you might be better just because you got some new fresh pieces in there. So it's going to be interesting to see. And the thing is, if you would have had 30 turnovers instead of 25 this year, you know, even if you had that many, you know, where do those five turnovers come, you know, because you could argue that against Oklahoma state or TCU or West Virginia, you know, if you get one more turnover in any of those games, you win those games, you know? No, I agree. I mean, uh, the turnovers come from more gang tackling. The turnovers come from, you know, taking better angles and, uh, stopping the run and, and forcing teams to play catch up with this offense. I mean, that's that's the 
blueprint for success. And the thing I like about Gibbs is he doesn't really sugarcoat things. Right. Uh, you kind of get what you get from him. And, you know, he admitted that what happened last season sucked and, and it's not up to his standards. But you also did see that improvement. And, and, I mean, for as much as it was hammered as a new thing, I mean, you saw it on game day. You saw guys getting in there trying to rip the ball out. You, know, you saw guys running over to help with the tackle and, and trying to rip the ball out. So, you know, I, I think it's clearly an emphasis that's being made. Now, to get to 35, I mean, that's a lot. But a if, they, it, if they do get to 35, then somebody is having an all-conference type of season. Somebody is making a big-time impact on what these guys do uh, on that defense. So, you know, it'll be fun to watch. But I think, you know, you've got uh, – like you said, 25, I mean, add some to that. I mean, I think you change – I mean, you could really change a six-win season and, and an get up to – yeah, yeah, I mean, that's not unrealistic. I mean, especially against some of those uh, matchups that you had mentioned. So, I don't know, a bunch of us just sitting around and guessing. Right. Uh, but, hey, I mean, at the end of the day, I think we're just happy to have the same defensive coordinator in place for a second season in a row, right? I mean, yeah. knock on, knock on wood. Uh, the yep. season's not here yet, but but still, you know, I mean, that's that's progress. No, that's that's the truth, man. And uh, spring football still underway. We'll get a couple more weeks of that here after spring break. So excited to see what comes out of that. So moving on to our last story on tech news, and uh, one that focuses squarely on recruiting, and something I, Matt and I both already uh, hit hinted at was uh, this weekend is is rivals camp. So. Uh, Something that is always really exciting for you and I to head out to Dallas for uh, you know for that regional and get to see all the top talent from uh, Texas and, and you know even guys from Oklahoma and every once in a while you know a couple guys from Arkansas and Louisiana but uh, you know I think a lot of people you talk to it's one of the best you know regionals every every single year as far as as far as rivals camp and you and I both have a ton of fun uh, getting to go out there and covering it it's kind of uh, as far as recruiting goes, it's kind of almost like an opening day kind of thing where you go out there and, and it's your first chance for, for some of these guys that you didn't see play as juniors, you know, and there's always going to be guys you didn't get to see play last year. Uh, it's your first chance to kind of get them, see them, and you kind of get to judge and, and kind of get a feel for, for which guys you like, which guys you don't like, and just kind of where everybody's at. But uh, I know you really enjoy it too, man. I mean, for me, this year's kind of interesting because uh... – I mean, I don't know if anybody gets as nerdy into this as I do, but this this class marks the first class where uh, the recruiting industry, you know, kind of went above and beyond and, and went ahead and ranked juniors, right? right I mean, that, right. that that hadn't been done before. And, you know, and for whatever reason, I mean, you could be on one side of the fence or the other. I personally think it just creates more room for error uh, because kids that are good as sophomores that – you know, some are, are still growing and whatnot. I mean, now these kids are going in their senior year, and it's kind of already written in stone that, that they're not as good as some of these other kids or vice versa. So, um, you know, that that to me is important. But I think that also adds to the, the excitement for the camp because uh, even folks that like me and you that follow it kind of rapidly, uh, well, we report on it. And so even I would imagine the fans are a little bit more educated about these kids than they are your normal class as well. Um, because they have been ranked for so so uh, so long. I mean, you already know the Cedar Hills of the world, the DeSotos, uh, some of these other programs, and you you already know some of these junior standouts. And and really, a lot of the best kids are already committed. So I mean, I'm looking at this list, and I know you have too. I mean, it's just bursting at the seams with talent. 
I mean, if you, even if you just looked at the Texas kids that are showing up on Saturday, I mean, it's going to be, I mean, incredibly competitive no when doubt. we get into one-on-ones. I mean, um, you know, I, I can't wait. Well, and you got to think too. The crazy thing is, uh, you know, there were a bunch of kids at this camp last year that there were, or there were several kids anyway that ended up signing with Tech. That at the time, you know, I didn't really think Tech had any interest in them, and I think the primary guy on that would be Joe Wallace, who. Uh, you know, it was the first time I'd ever seen him, and Joe just went out there and he tore it up, man. Just a little ball of energy, just getting after all these offensive linemen, and it was just so much fun to get to see him. You know, because I was like, man, that's a guy. You know, in the back of my head, because Tech really hadn't talked to him much at that point at all. Um, right. He was just a guy in the back of my head. I'm like, man, that would be a really good, you know, kind of like a guy for you know Tech to get in on. And lo and behold, they did, and they picked him up. So, you know, that it's always fun to see that and uh, where those guys kind of end up, the guys that you like from the camps and the guys in the back of your head that you're like, man, I wish, you know, that this kid would get a look at, at this school or this school because there are even some kids, you know, that aren't getting any looks, and you know they're good kids, and you get excited for some of these kids whenever they come to these camps and perform. So uh, really excited to see, you know, what kind of we get a look at here this weekend and uh, – Specifically, I guess for Tech, I know both you and I have kind of gone down the list and circled a couple of kids that, um, you know, that, that we're looking to forward to seeing, you know, whether we've seen them before or not. And uh, one kid, I'll just kind of go ahead and, and just talk about, and I, this is the first time I saw him was here last year, and I'm super excited to see him again and see how much he's grown, uh, would be Jalen Jackson, who's a receiver out of Cedar Hill that... Uh, you know, tweeted out a couple things about Tech today. You know, clearly very interested, and he was one of the one of those receivers that just really stood out to me last year. Really, really, you know, you know, got after it and made some DBs look stupid. So, uh, and that was as a junior. So he's one guy I'm uh, I'm really excited to see. I guess who's the first guy kind of on your list you're excited to see, Matt? Uh, I mean, in terms of the tech involvement, uh, I'm ex- I'm going to go to receiver as well. Octavius Evans is a kid no out doubt. of East Texas, um, and it's a kid who's kind of under the radar a little bit. I always go out to that ETSN camp uh, in East Texas, and I got to see him there. And and you know maybe the comparisons aren't there to to the to talent uh, in East Texas, but I mean when you talk about the receiver position in this camp. Uh, I will I will go down you know one by one and I'll put it against I mean anything in the nation I mean you've got receivers if you look around the state of Texas I mean this is going to start happening more and more every year you've got these powerhouse schools running spread offenses right. and you've got two three main receivers on some of them uh, with an efficient quarterback and so you've got these kids that. You know, right now, I mean, you, we talk about uh, Octavius, but but even Cartrell Thomas. I mean, I've seen him once before at a camp, but I'm really interested to see him now because everybody looks at Omar Manning from Lancaster, um, and, and while Cartrell might not uh-huh. be built like him, you know, from everything that I hear, I mean, he he's been impressive uh, so far this off season, and so uh, interested to see a couple of guys, and I'm really interested to see the offensive linemen. Uh, as well, I know we're going to get to see Verholst, and neither of us have seen him. We're going to get to see Castaneda, who doesn't talk that much, and, and we're going to get to see him again, see how much he progresses in a year. Um, in terms of my off-the-radar guy uh, that that Tech might not be involved with, I'm hearing really good things about Flower Mound Marcus cornerback Matt Hankins, okay. uh, and that could be you know an, an area the coaches move at. Um, you know, again. 
there are there's so many kids to choose from. It's really hard oh, to no just doubt. list list one. But um, you know, I don't know why receivers been on the brain lately. Um, but I think you know with the, with the defense that that'll be something that we'll really have to focus on is okay. Who are the kids that that the coaches you know need to stop by uh, right, when right. the open period starts? Who are the kids that need to do this and that? And then clearly, you know, other than uh, you know getting a, a few quotes from Jalen Rager, just really kind of dig in with him on you know where his head's at, uh, where Tech stands, and and kind of some of the thoughts behind his decision process as well. Yeah, no doubt, man. And we kind of need to get with him again and just kind of see where, uh, like you said, his thoughts are kind of moving forward with stuff because. Uh, you know, Tech very well may still be in it, and and he still may be, you know, at the top of his list just because we haven't had a chance to talk to him. So we'll kind of get you with him and kind of see what that is. But uh, to our boy, uh, our boy Xavier Martin's going to be out there, and he's going to be out there mm-hmm. in it and competing at quarterback. And I am very, very eager to see him, and I know just like you are, Matt, and to see him and how he compares to some of these other guys that are kind of the, the you know, the the upper four star, upper three star. Uh, quarterbacks and just kind of how he slings it uh, in comparison to some of those guys. Well, and even as we talk about previous years in Dallas, uh, and it's not a slight to the quarterbacks that are going to be there, uh, but the the classes as a whole have been a lot deeper at quarterback in right. past years. And so where I was getting at is, you know, I, I, we talked about this the other day. I don't think it's going to take much. You know, I know Xavier really wants to prove that he belongs at the quarterback position. Uh, in, in talking with him. And, and so, you know, I guess what I'm saying is it's not going to take a lot for him to shine. Um, and, and, and I know that uh, Chris Robeson, the uh, Oklahoma commit, is going to be there. And he's a he's a Rivals 100 guy, as well as Sean Robinson, who is uh, out of Denton. Uh, and, and he's another Rivals 100 guy committed to TCU. So, so obviously there's some front runners there. However, um, you know, I, like you said, I mean, at the end of the day, you know, how did he look? Did he look like a college quarterback? Uh, right. You know, is he going to gravitate more towards the athlete, talking to him a little bit more? Um, you know, you've you've gotten to see him once before, I believe, and then, yep. you know, we've talked to other people. So, you know, clearly he can play the quarterback position. It's just a matter of, you know, being out there and, and seeing how it looks compared to some of these other kiddos. No doubt, no doubt, man. I guess uh... – too, if you're looking down this list, who's uh, not necessarily tech, but who's just one guy, uh, you know, that you're just like really eager to get to kind of see that you haven't uh, seen before, or, or just a guy that maybe isn't getting a ton of attention that you just really want to get a look at? Hmm. There's a couple of those. Uh, I've got two or three. Yeah, I'll let you go first. I mean, I've I've got a few, so. I think, you go uh, ahead, and we'll just go back and forth. And he's getting he's getting some attention from Tech, but I think Kobe Boyce is a corner. I'm really you know eager to kind of see what he does uh, out there against some of these receivers. And then uh, Tristan Ebner, who's a receiver from East Texas that I know uh, you know Tech was very very interested in last summer, and he camped with Tech out there in East Texas at Longview, so he'll be another guy. Uh, I'm eager to kind of see what uh, what he does. So there's there's two I'm really interested in, and then. Uh, I'm, these these two uh, these two DeSoto offensive linemen too. I'm kind of interested to see what they kind of do. So um, so yeah, there's a couple of guys that, that I'm kind of interested in and just kind of seeing where they. And the guys I'm talking about from DeSoto are uh, like Xavier Newman mm-hmm. and, uh, and Edward Ingram. Both those guys. I'm interested to see what both those guys do because I know you know several schools are trying to get interested in them. And I, I know that uh, that I'm pretty sure Lee Hayes is interested in both those guys too. So 
so kind of interesting right there. I mean, for me, uh, above and beyond the offensive linemen that I mentioned earlier with with Verholst and uh, and, and Castaneda, I mean, there's a there's a few guys. Uh, there's two other receivers that I'm going to be watching: Montrell Estelle, uh, who we've Another written East about, Texas kid. At, yeah. yeah, who's who's got you know, a ton of interest, and there's even some people that are you know saying he's what criminally underrated and yeah. all. I've never seen him play, so I don't have an opinion. Um, but also Paulson Adebo is a kid, another long, rangy kid out of Mansfield who, who I'm wanting to see at receiver. Uh, I know you had mentioned, uh, I know you mentioned a few guys in the past, but, but one guy I've covered, uh, not necessarily for tech, but a few other schools is take one Graham at a temple. Uh, he oh, just, yeah, yeah, yeah. is at USC and, and Oregon. And so, you know, I'm, I'm ready to see kind of what all the hype's about. And then really kind of the man of the hour over the past few days. And again, I mean, it is tech related, but, but not, necessarily is uh tyrell shavers and again i'm going back to receivers but i gotta tell you guys i mean i'm gonna i'm gonna do a write-up and you're gonna see it and you're gonna be like this is ridiculous the amount i mean if we were to go back to this camp let's do like a i don't know a one year later type deal and be like it'd be insane the mm-hmm. amount of d1 yeah. signees that, that are going to be here but um tyrell shavers <clears throat> i mean we've you know you got to give a tip of the cap to the tech coaching staff you know they're whether they end up getting kind of pushed out of the picture uh, with some of these, you know, Alabama, uh, Georgia type offers, uh, you know, they were in on a Tyrell Shavers last October, November, you know, so now all of a sudden, you know, I was talking with you know, the, the with him the other night, and everybody's, oh yeah, oh you know, this that, and oh okay, fast forward and all that, oh three offers, I said, well, I mean. You know, people are treating Looking you like out. you're yeah. like you're a nobody. Like you had 11 offers before you went to to this thing. So it's like, uh, you know, I mean, it, it is what it is. But that's why I was tweeting the other day. Like, you know, it is a complete farce. You know, coaches right. absolutely uh, follow those Twitter accounts. Coaches absolutely do see who is doing well in camps. Because what is this? What do we talk about? Why are we so excited? It's the best of the best. The yeah. cream is going to rise. You're going to see kids. You know, that are that are. 20, 30 plus offer kids getting smoked by some kid you've never even heard of, right? And that means something, you know, at the end of the day. I mean, right. it depends on the position, but t shirts and shorts aside, it means something. Um, but I, I don't know. I mean, I could keep going on and on the list. I think for me personally, I want to spend a lot of time with the kids that are A, that are committed to tech, B, the kids that have been recently offered or that are planning visits right now. Uh, but we all know that receiver and, and, you know, some of the other positions on offense are going to take care of themselves. We know where the class is on the offensive line. So we'll just keep it, excuse me, keep an eye out for prospects that, that could possibly, uh, get an offer here later in the spring. But for me and you, I know we're going to be looking at defensive end, defensive tackle. I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head in the beginning. We had no idea who Joe Wallace was. Both of us said, all right, what's up with this dude? I, I know. Right, because he, he doesn't shorter, look the part compared to some other oh, guys. but he's tearing it up. I mean, yeah. he was tearing it up. So, I mean, it's a perfect example of a kid, and I walk over, introduce myself. No, I'm not hearing from Tech. Okay. I mean, and then you never know. Like, two months later, he's got an offer. And so that, that small conversation means something in the long run. Um, but, yeah, just tons and tons of talent. Uh, at the at the wide receiver and, and athlete position, uh, and and really uh, on the offensive line, I'm seeing a lot of names that I don't know. Uh, but between offensive line, uh, defensive tackle, and defensive end, that's really what I'm looking for. I, right. I think like most years at linebacker, you've got the the cream of the crop, and then you've got some other guys uh, that that a lot of people are starting to offer. 
Uh, but outside of that, I mean, we don't know much else about these uh, these folks. But we'll see. I mean, a lot of uh, this is the this is the time of interest and in, in communication. So how, how much of that interest and in communication turns into an offer? Um, that's the that's the cool part to follow, right? No, no doubt it is. And this is also a place where, like you said, you know, there will be these kids that have twenty offers, and uh, they'll show up at these camps and. You know, every once in a while, some of these kids kind of get exposed, and and it's it's a I think it's a good opportunity for all these kids to come out and compete with the best of the best, like you said, and the cream will rise to the top. And there there just isn't a better indicator for who really are the elite players and who's just kind of you know is kind of parading around as an elite player, you know. Well, who likes to compete? I mean, right. and, and we're also going to get. We're also gonna get the the parents screaming from the other side of the chain link fence. Come on, get him! <laughs> and all that—that's fun too, you know. So, uh, uh, no, I'm, I'm excited, man. I mean, offensive, defensive, one offensive line, defensive line, one on ones, by far the best part of the camp. Absolutely. Um, other than that, you know, watching the one on ones is absolutely entertaining as well. It's just that when you consider 200 kids, all high caliber kids, and you've got at least. 70 to 80 of them going in one-on-ones at any given time. It's hard to really watch yeah, all the all reps. So, yeah, I mean, I, I don't know. I guess a lot of our emphasis, uh, you know, to to kind of round it out is just going to have to be on the defense because, uh, you know, like I said, I keep saying you know, I'll beat the, the the dead horse here is that the offense is going to take care of itself. I mean, they're going to find guys. Uh, they already have guys. So, um, you know, there's no shortage of receivers, but – you know, we don't know who the Houston Millers are. We don't know who the Joe Wallaces are. So those are two guys that were absolutely there last year. Noah Spencer uh, was there. I mean, so yeah. so uh, there's there's just a lot of different kids. Um, anyway. Yeah, no doubt, no doubt. And uh, I just have to mention that the thing I'm most excited about getting to see is, even though you know Tech's not really in it, uh, Marvin Wilson is the most fun player to watch in these one-on-ones because. Yeah, I mean, he, you know, he's a five-star defensive tackle, and the dude just goes out there and he just shreds dudes up, and he's always the first back in line, and he's always trying to get another rep, and it's just so much fun to see him. So I always look forward to doing that too. Well, and that was last year, man. You should see him. He's he's yeah. bigger, and he's uh, Marvin's a cool customer, man. I'm 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 ready to see him because I. I'm looking down the list, and unless they have him trying to rush off the edge, I just don't see any of these interior nope. guys that are going to be able to stand him up. Uh, too bad Jack's not going to be there. And but. Jack probably, I mean, Jack, to be honest, would, in my opinion, probably be the best interior offensive lineman that was going to be there anyway. True. I'm a big fan. You know, I know people don't like to hear this, but uh, even from last year, I'm a big fan of, uh, I think it's Wes. Uh, yeah, Wes Harris. From, Wes yes, Harris. Wes Harris, uh, committed to TCU. Not the biggest kid, but when it comes to technique, I mean, he he gets if he gets set, it doesn't matter what the move is. Yep. He has he's such a good, you. yeah, he's got you. He's got a good foundation. He's got a great punch. He he doesn't he he just sits there, and it just seemed like whatever the guys did, it was boom boom boom. Like I didn't see him lose a single rep. So uh, that'll be interesting. Uh, but then again, I mean, you know, uh, that reminds me, we're, we're talking, um, God, I was a kid from Crosby, you know, he, he stood up Marvin a few times. Oh, he ended up committing to, to, Houston, to Houston last year. Yeah. So I feel stupid I mean, cause I can't remember his name. Uh, I can't either. So it doesn't matter. But you know, again, th- that's the kind of stuff you see at these camps. That's the kind of stuff you say, well, Hey, I just, you know, gained a, a little bit more respect for that kid, you know, so on and so forth. So it'd be pretty cool to see. No doubt. And then, and then you get to see, you know, let's be honest, some of these kids, 
know, they don't care, right? So they come out there and hot dog it or, or you know, half ass it or whatever. I mean, that's the, the reality of it. No, no doubt, and kids will do that, and I think it's something that when those kids do that, you know, it's going to hurt them. Uh, you know, whether they want to believe it or not, it does. So, uh, but 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 it, but regardless, you and I are excited to get out there and uh, see what prospects stick out this weekend. So that's it for Texas Tech news this week. Moving on to some stuff that's a little bit off the radar, and the very first thing I wanted to talk about was. So there's a report in the Wall Street Journal here on Monday about NFL Commissioner Roger Goodell and. Apparently, they're talking about a possibility of him being stripped of his disciplinary powers, you know, by the NFL and NFL Players Association. As both sides reportedly are, have been discussing, you know, like a new policy that would, uh, you know, instead of him, you know, they have like neutral arbitrators come in uh, as hearing officers to kind of determine what they did as far as you know discipline on individual players. And I think it's been a really big. I think the overarching issue has been that his his discipline of similar uh, violations or, or similar similar issues have been wildly inconsistent, and people have been all over him about that. And, and I, certainly, I have. I think whenever you look back at the Ray Rice case and what all that turned into, uh, you know, only suspending him for four games was a total sham and, and, and ridiculous. And Mm -hmm. uh, especially whenever, you know, some of these guys for, and whatever you think, you know, for smoking weed, you get, you know, banned a year for, you know, at times. So it, it's just, it was just ridiculous. And I think going to neutral arbitrators is probably the best thing they could do, especially if there's some back and forth between those guys as far as punishment, because I think you'll, I think in my opinion, you'll come out with a lot more reasonable uh, punishments for all these guys. Yeah. I mean, maybe, maybe not. Right. I mean, uh, Goodell's just the Goodell's just the front man, right? I mean, he's not That's making true. all these decisions on his own. I refuse to believe that. I saw something. Uh, it was HBO Real Sports, and it was really interesting. They were watching. They had um, I don't know. You know, imagine if you had like Sunday Ticket, you know, right. and you could switch from game to game. So they had this massive like operations center, and you know, Goodell wasn't necessarily there on the floor, but. You know, imagine any movie you watched with, like, NASA, and it's the guys looking at the big screens. I mean, it, it seemed like those guys were all watching all of the plays, and they had, like, you know, mics in there, and they had uh, closed captioning. And you could see, like, some of the guys would group together, and they're watching a game. They're like, oh, 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 that's – oh, yeah, that's definitely – that was a good call right there. And so right. they're basically, on top of monitoring the referees and, and doing all of that – they were saying, oh, that's, oh, yeah, that's going to be a fine. Yeah, no, that's going to be a big fine. And I thought, uh, you know, that's just kind of weird, you know? I mean, like that, it should yeah, be yeah, pretty yeah. obvious what is a fine. It should be pretty obvious what the process is. And I don't think I've ever seen anybody, like, vehemently come out and say, you know, that was a clean hit or whatever else. Yeah. I mean, you know, when we sit at home on our recliner, uh, we're like, oh, wow, you know, you got fined $35,000. That's insane. You know, to these guys that are making $9 million a year, that, might not, be a, yeah, yeah. that might not be a big deal at all. So, you know, we'll see. I don't – it's so weird. Like, to me, every time this type of stuff comes up, I feel like, uh, you know, the NFL makes so much money that none of this will, will really have – you know, that much of an impact or it won't matter that much. It won't, won't change, you know, what we see on Sundays, but 
you know, it, it makes him look more and more like a Vince McMahon figure, like, oh, him against everyone else or whatever else. And I'm not even a wrestling fan. It's yeah, just, the, just like a it just seems almost. it seems seems put on. It seems just fake and, and you know, whatever else. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, I understand the health concerns, all that. That's 100 percent valid. I mean, if you read the newspapers, there is a I want to say it was 24, 25 year old kid that committed suicide and and it was right, determined yeah, yeah. yeah it was determined that he had CTE and Pop Warner had to shell out you know he played Pop Warner football all right the kid was 25 uh they had to shell out i don't know 30 40 million something like that Holy to God. it's crazy and so i don't know i mean i didn't even know Pop Warner made that kind of money right no, and me so either, yeah. yeah and so i don't know i mean I guess all the penalties, all this other stuff, to me, it's just like, I don't, it, it does nothing for me. Like, I, I would see that and I'd probably change the channel. Or I'd see that and I'd skim the story and then that'd be it. Like, it's, it's a no, it's an, it's a non issue for me. Yeah. And, and here's my thing. You know, I think, I just think that for all these different punishments, like a lot of other things, you just need to set, you know, certain criteria. Uh, and rules down for if you do this, it's this many games. If you do this, it's this many games. And and if you if you make it that simple, then it's not a judgment call anymore. It's simply you know you did this, so you get this. And so there's no more. You eliminate the room for error when you do something like that. And I've just never understood why, for the most part, anyway. Like any, I mean, out in front anyway, they make it seem like you know Roger Goodell kind of has the ultimate say so. And hands out all these punishments, you know, by himself essentially. So, you know, it's left him kind of out in the wind a couple times. And, and you know, whether that's right or wrong, and whether he is making those decisions on his own or not, I, I just think it makes it so much simpler. If, you know, whether it is for domestic abuse or, uh, you know, whatever else it might be off the field or on the field, you know, with these hits and things like that, I think you just need to make a set policy. Uh, and it would make things so much easier, and, and no one would complain, and everybody would just, you know, it would be ho-hum, that's what he gets, you know? Yeah. I mean, yeah, I just don't, you know, how long have the fines and stuff been going on, though? Like, have they really kept players? I mean, I, I kind of side with the players. Like, this is such an instinctual game, and yes, you can learn, and yes, you can do all of that, but there is... There's it's no it's reactionary in some of yeah, it. It's yeah, it's reactionary, and we're and we're pretending like, oh, well, I mean, we'll just find him a lot of money, and then obviously it'll fix it. I mean, it, that's not a real solution. No, I don't it's think, not. You know, and 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 I know they're taking steps, and I know they're doing this, and they have to do some of this because it's basically PR. It's basically them saying, you know, okay, we're we're trying to affect change here. So I don't know. I don't. I don't want to yeah. keep going on that one. Like I said, it doesn't do anything for me. I mean, I don't. I don't feel like it's a real like. Oh my gosh. Well, okay. Well, Roger Goodell's not going to make the decision anymore. Well, ESPN, CBS, ABC, all these channels—they're going to want to know who is making the decision. Right. And then now there's going to be some arbitrator who nobody's ever heard of who is going to be quoted on ESPN and all these other places, yeah. and then they're going to be the bad guy. So it kind of doesn't matter. I it's mean, all, yeah, it kind of becomes a scapegoat, I guess, when you look at it. From the perspective of it, poor Roger Goodell and his own what forty three million. <laughs> yeah, what is, no joke, man. Clear? Yeah, yeah it's, it's, oh. he clears more than forty a year. You know, as the Oof. as the league man commissioner. So, so yeah, man, it's it's a wild story. And uh, staying in the world of the NFL, uh, our good old friend Johnny Football has uh, was cut this week by the Cleveland Browns, as was expected to happen. Um, 
And there's been a lot made, you know, here the last couple of weeks about his habits and, and where he's at kind of with things as far as not even football, but his personal life and, and some of the demons he's kind of dealing with and, and doesn't really want help. And um, a report kind of came out. So so I guess whenever he, whenever he, you know, was drafted by Cleveland, everybody made a big deal about, uh, you know, he and LeBron both being in Cleveland. And even LeBron made a big deal about it. And I think LeBron kind of tried to be uh, – a mentor to him and kind of help him out, you know, during, you know, whenever he had all these problems and, and all those kind of things. But uh, so on the Monday morning quarterback this week, uh, one of Manziel's former coaches was quoted, and it's an anonymous coach quoted as saying, when he had LeBron James as a mentor, texting him all the time, hanging out at his house, watching football, and Johnny didn't listen to his advice, that's when I knew he had a real big problem. So it, it's just kind of the continuation of the saga where it does kind of make you wonder uh what's because you know you see johnny manzel you know partying out in vegas you know last week or whatever and this is after he's already gone through uh when he knows he's going to get cut and he knows he's supposed to be on his best behavior and all this is still going on so it evolves into a much bigger issue of you know personally for him you know what needs to happen and and is he ever going to be willing to make these changes and i think you know, the fact that he ignores LeBron, basically, who's a guy that was trying to be a mentor to him, you know, like a personal mentor to him, I think it says a lot about, you know, because just the the depth of kind of the issues he's going through, you know, personally right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what to say. I mean, that thing is... That thing is circling the drain. I mean, you had uh, you had his father coming out with comments that, that he's refusing help, and you have... I mean, you have somebody like Eric Burkhart who, you know, I know from college. And, I mean, he's one of the hardest working guys I know. I, I bet you he would have done anything for, for a client, you know. And uh, he even had to sever ties. And that, to me, said a lot because I'm no way, shape, or form close to to Eric or anything like that. But, you know, I've had a chance to to – you know, know him and we're in the same fraternity and, uh, he always wanted to be an agent and, you know, it, it's hard work being an agent, no, you know, no. I mean, you, yeah. you, these guys build relationships, these guys are close and that was a big deal for him to land Johnny Manziel, you know, a few years back. And the fact that he was willing to walk away and publicly announce that, I mean, that said a lot. I mean, that, that was probably, you know, one of his bigger, if not biggest clients and the fact that he had to walk away and the, the message that he left that told me everything that I needed to know. Yeah. Um, the fact that he's out there taking pictures with the likes of a Scott Disick and it's yeah. all on Twitter and stuff like that. I mean, super lame. I mean, I guess, you know, you get addicted to a certain lifestyle and, you know, I don't want to defend the kid whatsoever. It's just that, isn't he still like twenty one yeah. years old? No, he's like I mean, I think he's twenty three. But but you and oh, I he both, is twenty three. But, but, okay. but you and I still remember being that age. And I just for for me personally, if I was twenty three and I had the amount of money that he's had in the last year, and not to not to mention all the endorsement money he's gotten, I I just like I I don't know what I would have done at that. I mean, I know I'm not much older than that, but still, I would have done some very stupid stuff. You know, from twenty one to twenty three, if I had that kind of money. Right. I mean, end of the day, I think we talked about this a few weeks ago. You know, if if he hit that girl or if he was going psycho on her, then, you know, shame on him. And right. and he deserves what's coming his way. I, I personally think here's what's going to happen. 
you know, June, July, you know, whoever his new agent or PR folks are, uh, they're going to parade him out there. He's going to apologize profusely. He's going to say that he just finished a rehab stint and he is going to do his best to grovel his way onto a practice squad. And that's what he has to do. And, you know, again, this is clearly opinion and and maybe even a reach if you if you're listening. But I mean, some of it could also be depression. I mean, you go from being the man, you go from being the man to, you know, look, that stuff's not going to work in the NFL. You've got to really work. You've got to really recreate your game. And, you know, it, it was so clear that when he got those opportunities that he wasn't working on it. And then you come to find out that he's showing up buzzed and he's showing up late. I mean, to me, that's just, I mean, the NFL is the big boy league, you know, and they don't care that you were a Heisman. They don't care that your girlfriend's super hot and has a million Instagram followers. They don't care that you have bottles with sparklers, you know. I mean, that that all that stuff that made him the man in college, that's just old hat for some of these NFL veterans. They don't care, you know what I mean? And so, and, and the money and all that, so... So now he's on an equal playing field and it didn't work out. So so maybe he's confused too, but I, I don't know. The whole thing about drugs and alcohol and all that continuing and continuing and him refusing help, you know, I get it to an extent, but at some point in time you gotta make a business decision and say, you know, I'm I'm really screwing up right now, you know? Yeah. I need to just get out here and save some face and get back to playing football if that's truly what he loves to do. And I think like the craziest thing about this is is the parallels to basically everything that happened with Ryan Leaf are like like it's almost like to a T kind of a thing where you know both of them are you know electric flashy guys out of out of college that had you know uh you know maybe some you know questionable things that that you wonder if it's you know just being a college kid or not and then i think you know those guys get to the NFL and you see kind of the real issues come out and both you know, so far anyway, on kind of the same, kind of the same path of just crash and burn within a couple years, you know, of getting started. So the thing I think that'll, and you you talked about it being a business decision, and I think as far as what he's going to do, I think it's going to take, you know, now that he got cut, I'm sure, you know, he, he, and, and just probably from my perspective, I think he probably thinks someone's about to pick him up and some, someone's going to go after him, but It'll be interesting to, to me, for me, to see, like you kind of said, if come here, you know, June, July, the first week of August, if nobody's been, you know, ringing the phone, you know, does he decide, you know, to, to kind of, you know, pick his act up? And that'll be kind of the biggest determining factor for me. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's kind of, it's time to, you know, you know what, or get off the pot. Yeah, it is. I mean, I'm just, I just Googled the 2014 draft, and I mean, he slipped quite a ways. Um, Bortles was obviously taken, and then the, the Browns grabbed him at 22. But uh, you know, a lot of picks went in between there, and and kind of looking back on that, it kind of reminded me. You know, there's the whole. You know, not only did we talk about kind of what made him different and and the superstar in college, but it's a guy that had freaking Drake shouting him out, and he had a whole a song, song about him. Yeah. yeah, it was a draft day. So I mean, I don't know that part. So wild, and and maybe we look back on that and 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 take a closer look. But I don't know. I don't expect much of his uh, you know pro football career unless he truly gets in there and starts taking it more seriously. I mean, that's the bottom line. Nope, it is, it is, and 
above anything, I, I think you just hope that he figures it out before it's too late, well, unlike a lot of these guys. And you see 30 for 30s, there's been several on these guys that don't figure it out. Uh, like, uh, I don't know if you've watched it, Matt, but the 30 for 30 uh, Unguarded, who was about Chris Heron, who played in the NBA, and uh, was like a college all-star and, you know, like an All-American, and, you know, his career just fell apart because he got addicted to drugs and he could never stay sober and... It was just, you know, that it just, he just kind of went down that whole dark road in that 30 for 30. And it's just, it was so sobering for me to watch that and just see a guy who was just so totally just like enslaved to all this, these things that, that, that were just, just, you know, weighing him down. And I wonder if, you know, you wonder if that's where Johnny's at at this point. So, um, so yeah, it's, that's just the biggest concern I think is, is just, you just hope he figures it all out before, uh, it's too late. Uh, <laughs> Not to stay on kind of the dark, the dark side of things, but uh, this last story for for off off the radar is about Ben Simmons, who you know played at LSU this year, was the number one you know high school player coming out of the country last year, and uh, going into you know this year at LSU, you know he was the consensus number one NBA draft pick. People were comparing him to you know LeBron and Magic Johnson about how he was you know the next coming of those two guys, and and. And all this kind of things. Well, we'll come, you know, full circle here in March. Those guys got absolutely embarrassed by, you know, A&M in the SEC tournament. They only scored 13 and a half and only won 19, 19, 20 games this year. Uh, It was just a total disaster of a season. And there was talks all year about how uh, there wasn't any chemistry on the team because Simmons didn't get along with any of those guys. He didn't listen to the coaches. It was uh, just kind of a big wreck. And this last week on uh, on the uh, let's see here on Yahoo Sports on the vertical, which is like their basket their NBA mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. NBA site, uh, they basically kind of pulled a bunch of uh, pulled a bunch of uh, of scouts and kind of talked to guys off the record about you know him and uh, just a couple of things they said was that uh, one of them really stuck out to me and the very first thing they said is, is was that. Simmons' lack of competitiveness in some crucial games has raised questions about his character as a basketball player, uh, and they just kind of compared it to even though you knew Blake Griffin and Michael Beasley and Carmelo Anthony, those guys, you knew they were going to be you know top pick, second pick overall. Those guys never had those kind of issues. Um, his box scores, he only has big box scores in games where they're getting blown out. Uh, he plays terrible, terrible defense despite having all these big numbers. Uh, everybody figured him out, you know, halfway through the season. So uh, other things, you know, questions about his character. So they even go as far in this in, in this article to say that he's no longer the consensus number one, and most scouts have Duke forward Brandon Ingram as the number one pick. And it's just it's one of those things for me, man, where it's it's like the more things change, the more they say the same. Where it seems like every couple years, there's one of these kids, whether it's you know going into the NFL or NBA or or, or Major League Baseball that's, you know, touted as, you know, the next, you know, Hall of Famer, you know, before he's even stepped on the on on the field or the court. And every once in a while, there's always one of these kids that just seems to not get it. And that's just kind of where things are with Simmons, you know, kind of going into the, the draft here in a couple months. Yeah, I mean, we talked about it earlier, you know, basketball recruiting is different. But this is one of the reasons I don't like the the, the one-and-done rule. I don't like that either. Either make the kids stay three years and have the rules make it like, like baseball. They, yeah, make it like baseball yeah. or make it like football to where you have to be there for X amount of time or, you know, there's a give or a take. You know, this in this instance, I mean, 
I mean, I say that in one breath, but the other is, you know, he's from originally from like Australia, right? Right. New yeah. Zealand. And, and and those, yeah, and there's also a lot of talks that none of those guys that were on the because he was already on the Australian national team like last year before he even played uh-huh. at LSU, and there was big talks about how they, you know, they had big issues with him too. Yeah, I don't know. At the end of the day, I mean, at that, at that level of competition, you're not there to make friends. You do have to be a good teammate. But, I mean, I think a lot of Kobe's teammates, you know, They're use right, some yeah. colorful colorful language to describe him. So, you know, I don't know. For me, I don't judge him on that. I think he made a, maybe made a poor decision in, in the school he selected. Um, but that's on him. He has to live with that. I mean, the, you have to consider the fact they had that guy. The rest of the team had to be pretty terrible for them to, to be that bad. And, um you know, I think that reflects on the coach as well. I mean, you, you get a talent like that, you know, maybe once in your career, you you can figure out a way to make it work, you know. Yeah. So I, I don't know. I mean, for me, it's results oriented. You know, a lot of this stuff with the anonymous quotes, I think it generates interest. I think it's worthwhile. But it's the NBA. Name the last draft aside from the LeBron, Carmelo, and Wade draft that was remotely interesting. Yeah. You know, remotely yeah. interesting, right? I mean, it's, that's it. <laughs> I think that year that Griffin, Blake Griffin, and all those guys got drafted in, whether the, I think that was 2009, 2010. I think that was a pretty good draft, but I think that's been like the last time that, because you and I both know how the NBA draft goes. Basically, the top five or six guys are going to be kind of the dudes, and then everybody else is either going to be on a squad for a couple years and then you know be out of the league, and that's about it. So it's just, I don't know. I I think too. Whenever you see these kids that uh, like Simmons, you, you've you've seen him go to LSU, and and you know there's a couple of these other schools that have been getting some talented players. You know, I know I know Cal kind of did that too this year, um, but you wonder if this starts to push kids in the opposite direction again, where they all just say, "Well, why, I'm just going to go to Kentucky, Duke, North Carolina, or." Or Kansas because I know I'm going to win at those schools and and you know you know what I'm saying where it kind of has the opposite effect of what all these other coaches kind of had hoped it would have that, that weren't just at major programs. Yeah, no, I mean I, I don't know. I guess if you look through it, I just go back to the the coach and the the one time uh, you know one time opportunity. If if Tubby were to land some five-star phenom there's a lot of expectations there yeah i mean you know there's you got to make good on it so again there's nothing i mean you can't blame everything on that kid i refuse to believe that um and he will still be a top three pick in the nba and he'll still you know he'll do his thing i mean that's that's all i know now whether he should have gone to to play euro ball for a year if college was the thing for him you know that's why i think the one done rule is so stupid you get these kids like you know, Krzyzewski and some of these other coaches, they're really good about keeping these kids on campus. But there are always, especially in basketball, there are always those three or four kids that have no business going to college. No business. We've right. all, I mean, we've we've heard Kevin Durant's a perfect story. I mean, that dude never went to class at Texas. You know, I mean, he, knew he didn't hear, have to because he was yeah, going to stay eligible. I right. Mean, long he, enough just to be there. Exactly. And and these kids know that. So what's the point? You know, what are we really doing? And and I think they had this stat earlier today that like if they took ten percent of the money that CBS uh and, and whoever else was, was earning on these T V contracts, you know, they could pay each player like seventy nine K. And that's that's crazy. Yeah. All right. 
So so there's a lot of money being made. And, and so if you tell a top kid like that, I mean, they're going to get burnt out. I mean, look, it's perfect. This perfect example. It goes back to Johnny Manziel. They they used him for every dime they could get out of him. Oh, you know? yeah. And then and then now that he's, you know, in the news, this, that, and the other. I mean, I cover him. You know? I mean, they're not... They're not behind him, you know. They're not supporting him, right? Call, I mean, but I mean, they said the the freaking stadium is the house that Johnny built. That's what people freaking call it now. No, I know. I mean, but but it just goes back to that. I mean, I don't want to like ring the bell on. Oh, it's not fair. Yeah, yeah. But that has to be part of the equation. If you're gonna tell these kids, oh no, you have to go to college. Well, I just call bullshit on that. Like, especially in basketball. Like, you're telling me that kid couldn't have been drafted top ten, top no, he twenty. Would've, he would have been put drafted, a couple. Yeah. Could, yeah, put a couple mil in his pocket and then start doing what he wanted to do in the first place. I mean, he just doesn't have those options. I and mean, maybe he didn't want to go slum it in Europe for a year. I mean, I don't know. Yeah, and the whole the whole thing too. You know, the whole purpose of this, whenever they you know rescinded that rule in the mid two thousands, mid late two thousands, whenever it was. Uh, it's right after LeBron. Right. Yeah, I think it was like two thousand four, two thousand five, right in there. And they, you know, they all said that. Uh, they did it because there were too many kids trying to go to the NBA that weren't ready. Well, they, they somebody did a study last year, and they said it was actually pretty much the, the total opposite of that, of that most of the kids that did go were ready, and either they got it or they didn't get it. You know, and, and there's nothing that one stupid year in college is going to do to, to, to improve that, you know. Yeah, 100%. I mean, you can't, you can't sit there and tell me, I mean, we're all going to be watching the Final Four, Kentucky, or one of those name schools are probably going to be in there. And then afterwards, I mean, I think Kentucky's the biggest, you know, the biggest example of this. Like, yeah, they win every year, but they also put like four guys in the first round of the NBA draft yeah. every year. Guys that have only been there for one year. And guys know that in the recruiting process, I mean, for basketball especially, I don't follow it. But if you if you if you were to talk to like an Eric Bossy, means kids are looking at a handful of schools. That's it. They're gonna go visit those schools. They're gonna make their decisions. Sure, you know Durant picks Texas out of the blue every once in a while. But most of the time, these kids are going to Kentucky. They know what the deal is, and I mean that's it. You know they're not going there. They're not going there to to study. They're not going there to nope, expand their, their prep, horizons. It's their prep year for the NBA. That's it. Yeah. I mean, a lot of these kids already come from prep school, so it's yep. nothing to them. Yep, yep, no doubt, no doubt. All right, cool. That's it for Off the Radar this week, and uh, we'll move on to, you know, questions from you guys over at Sports. And didn't have a ton of questions this week, so I'll get through, you know, the first couple of questions, then I've got one or two uh, to get into as well. So I, I guess first off, uh, first question we've got comes from Jake Holb, and that's, does Dauphine have any left and right in him, or is he more of a straight-line burner, a la Stockton? Also, who do you see shouldering the load at running back, committee or one person? Um, he does have some left and right to him. Uh, it'll depend. I haven't seen him in high school. It's my understanding he's gotten bigger, uh, but the strength is his speed. Uh, but I think if you go back and you were to watch his senior tape, uh, another thing that's wildly underrated about Dauphine in a, in a yeah, that's exactly you, you. You know exactly where I'm going. Is the first guy often does not tackle him, and he keeps those legs going, and and that's really where his strength is: is the legs and his speed. And so once he, whether it's left or right or or downhill, once he gets going, it's very hard to tackle him. Um, and, and if he's gotten stronger, then I expect that to to be improved even more. Um, I say. Uh, committee at running back. Uh, I would I would love to see Stockton be able to handle that load. I just don't know if he's that type of back. 
um, to, to handle that yeah. many carries. Uh, but I also don't think that's a bad thing. I think that, uh, um, and I'm going to draw a blank here, but uh, uh, who's the running back out of spring to Caney? Uh, help me, help me, help me. Felton. Yeah, DeMar- I mean, I think a lot of people forget about him, and I think that he, based on the pictures I've seen from practice alone, I mean, he, he looks, looks like a bowling ball, bigger. man. Yeah, and so, you know, I, I would say absolutely keep an eye on that kid because there are a lot of people here in the Houston area that were very high on him, and he does not even look like the same person if that's him in those pictures mm-hmm. because he used to just be a little shrimp in high school. So um, really interested to see, you know, what he could bring into the mix. Obviously you have Delphine, and then you have that, that bigger, you know, supplemental back in, in white for another year. So definitely by committee. Uh, but when you get into most of your first second downs, most of your uh, passing plays, you're going to see Stockton incorporated in different ways as well. So, you know, I'd be interested in, and, and, you know, and you caught me on this last week when I went back and listened to it. You know, don't forget about Dalian Ward. I mean, you know, the coach has been saying, you know, he's going to be playing. So uh, definitely a committee. Uh, I think Stockton will take some some steps forward. Uh, but very, very interested to see what Dauphine and a kid like uh, Ward could do as well. And, and like I said, don't uh, don't forget about uh, Felton at, right, at all. Right, right. And 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 just just to kind of agree with you, I agree with you on the Dauphine point that I think his physicality is very, very underrated from high school. Where he was kind of a cannonball man. Where once he gets going, and you know somebody might hit him, you know at, at the first level. But once he gets past that guy that hits him initially, if you don't tackle him, it's going to be hard to get him down after that because he's going to start running by people. So uh, definitely going to be an option there. I also uh, agree with you. I think it's going to be a total committee thing at running back. But uh, I am not. I don't know that that's necessarily a bad thing, to be totally honest. I think that's an advantage. Yeah, uh, because you can you can do so much more with matchups, and, and there's not one guy that they're ever going to be able to key in on because – it's not like it's just a bunch of guys. You have a lot of really talented running backs on the roster right now. Yeah, it'd be interesting to see where it goes. I mean, and, and like we said, you know, a kid that's coming in like Ward, you, you don't know what could or you know what could happen there. Right. So, it'd be interesting. And I will say, in these in these situations where you talk about by committee, the guys that end up usually rising up to the top are the ones that can do the most, the ones that have the most versatile skill sets. And I think you look when you look at your, your your group of backs right now. You first and foremost say Justin Stockton because you know he can run it, and if he he can catch it, uh, you know may be able to catch it better than you know I think a lot of people expect. Uh, he's the most experienced in pass protection, uh, so so he's going to be the most versatile guy out of the gate now, and he's going to get the first chance you know to be the dude. Now, the, the most interesting thing to me is going to be do you stick kind of more to one back and kind of, you know, two back pistol and stuff with a fullback, kind of like they did last year with DeAndre, where they just kind of had a blocker in front of him and let him kind of figure things out. Or are you going to kind of go back to what you've done in the past, kind of like you did in 2013, where you run a lot of two back stuff, but it's all out of shotgun and uh, one guy may stay in pass protection and one guy may go catch, you know, you're using guys on double screens, you know, that kind of thing. So it'll be interesting to see how, Cliff kind of decides to attack this running game because I think you just have a lot of talented backs you feel really good about. So it's going to be really interesting to see where that kind of goes. And and just kind of branching off of that question, Matt, something that, you know, level, or I guess, you know, Dickens and I, I was on Tech Talk today, this on, on Tuesday today, and something Dickens and I talked about and a question I had, you know, to kind of to, to, to put toward you is, 
do you think it's more likely that Tech has three 500-yard rushers this year or three 700-yard receivers? Oh, man, definitely three 700-yard receivers. You got so many different kids. You got uh, so many new guys that they have to go to. I mean, I think that with uh, the two Juco additions at wide receiver and and some of the kids that are coming back for their uh, true sophomore seasons, I don't think that's out of the realm at all. I don't think you have that one go-to guy that's going to rack up all the yards. So I would lean more towards the receivers because, you know, I know that, me personally, and I know you agree, I give a lot of credit to Coach Jinks um, because he had always talked about going with the hot hand. Right. And so I don't want to assume that that's what they'll do, but I also have to assume that, that Kingsbury, who is calling the plays, is cool with that. Yeah. In conjunction with, with, right, in conjunction with Morris, is going to adapt some of that same philosophy and he's going to work with Coach Foster. And Coach Foster is going to do his own thing too. But I just can't imagine that, that, I don't know that that three guys are going to get to 500. I, I would think it's going to be more so two guys. I would say two guys getting to to 700 or 750 would be more realistic in my opinion. Yeah. Just because I think I think, so I think two guys will 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 step up, and 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 that but should be enough. I do think the the tipping factor on this too is is how many yards do you think that. Um, Mahomes is going to rush for this year because he ran for 495 this past season. And it's the question of, do you think he's going to run less or run more now that he kind of becomes the true focal point of the offense, you know, as opposed to having last year where, you know, DeAndre and Jakeem kind of took the, the weight of the offense on him, you know, that's true. I did not think of that. Um, I, I, Personally, hope he doesn't run more because, I mean, we've seen him yeah. get knocked out before. Um, you know, he's a big boy. Uh, I think he can run and get it done. But even going back and look at some of the highlights of that Arkansas game and, and running it back, there are a couple hits where you're like, Ooh, yeah, I wish you wouldn't take that. You know, yeah. yeah, you know, so you can't have that. I mean, that could change the entire season, right? I mean, and, yeah. and it did last year. It did. I, uh, you know, against TCU, he, you know, you saw those next few games. He was not the same player. So, you know, I guess, yes, he, he can run more. I don't think that the coaches want him doing yeah. that at all. I don't either. I don't either. And, and just kind of finally, I guess to kind of stay on and branch off this kind of one more time, uh, you know, you mentioned Deshaun, Deshaun Foster and, we, we, I know we talked about earlier this week uh, about uh, Eno Benjamin as a running back that you know Tech was initially in on pretty well, and he released his top ten, which Tech wasn't in. However, they were the only school on his you know still interested or or whatever he called it list. So I think that says something about where Tech's at, and you wonder what a guy like Deshaun Foster does now. Uh, not just not just for Eno, but but for any other running back, for you know Travell Lumpkin, Kennedy Brooks, for uh, Tennille Carter, for any of these elite running backs in the state, and what they think about a guy like uh, Foster coming in, who's obviously a guy with with seven eight years in the NFL, uh, knows how to do all that, and just as a guy that I think a lot of guys will listen to for what he has to say. No, I mean I think it's true, and and I mean. You saw what we shared from Ed from the UCLA site. I mean, this is a guy that's not going to shy away from some recruiting battles. So I think the next few months will be interesting to see, you know, who he really makes a priority. I mean, I made the post where, 
you know, again, we're going to go to Ravels camp. We're going to see Kennedy Brooks. We're going to talk to him. We're going to talk to Travell Lumpkin. We're going to talk to Eno Benjamin. I mean, outside of that, that I don't see any viable offers that are out there. No. So if you if you think of it like that, I mean, the coaches are literally starting from scratch, and I think that there there are some inroads with Travell. But like I've said before, I haven't seen him before, so I don't know that. Okay, well, you drop everything if he wants to commit, or do you continue to go after a Brooks or someone else that may right. may emerge, you know, later this offseason? So we'll see. I mean, again, kind of going back to that, I think running back and all that's going to take care of itself. But those are the storylines because it's so interesting with, with Coach Foster coming in. I mean, that was an emphasis. I mean, you need your running backs coach to be an ace recruiter. You need your running backs coach to have that experience and to really kind of take hold of, of his group. And he's got a good group. Uh, I think he's excited about the opportunity from everything that I can see and, and hear. And, uh, you know, for right now, we just got to see what they have. And, and maybe I'm interested to, to talk to some of these running backs that have talked to him and maybe get an idea of what his style is, you know, in terms of recruiting yeah. as well. Yeah. Yeah, no doubt. And, and that's just going to be what it is. And I know last week we got the question of, you know, what will be the recruiting style for these coaches? And that's what we'll find out here between, you know, now and May is, is you know, how these guys kind of approach it and, Certainly, we'll be interested to see what uh, what kind of happens there. But uh, for, for our last question, and it's one that uh, that Jake Holt asks, and it's an off the radar question that that I uh, you know that that I really liked, and both of us are our kind of music guys anyway, Matt. But Jake Holt asks, and he here's what he says: He says, other than the two Bonnie Vera albums, obviously his opinion. Uh, what are the best albums since the year two thousand? And I kind of went a bunch of different ways with this because, and it's also kind of a, I don't know that you can necessarily say, well, this was definitely the best album. I think music is very much a personal taste kind of thing. Um, and the albums that kind of stuck out to me, uh, and first and foremost one, I would say would be uh, Late Registration by Kanye West. I think that's just like an all-time album as far as uh in my opinion, the best rap album released in, in the last two, decade, decade and a half, and, and just a, an album that I think mean, meant a lot to people that were, you know, in college at that point and and where they were kind of at. I think, um, I don't know, man. I agree with him that Bonnie Vera was another one that I really, really liked. Uh, their, their, his self-titled album was another one that was a big one for me. Um, I don't know. What, what are kind of a couple for you, man? Just personal favorite albums, I guess, since 2000 that really you're just like, I love that album or this album. Well, I guess if we're going from 2000. I mean, I am cheating because I didn't know you were going to ask this question. Right, but I am. I know you mentioned Kanye. Obviously, College Dropout, you know, was before uh, the other one, I think. Late Registration. Um, yeah. Yep. And The Blueprint from Jay Z was That's 2001. Also a great one, yeah. And, and you, you, uh, could, you could say that or The Black Album, I think, by Jay Z either one whichever way you kind of wanted to go on that yeah i mean i try to listen to different stuff but i mostly listen to rap so um i i know my roommate back in college was uh, you know he was all about the black keys and you know some different yeah. stuff like that they had a couple of good ones I've, and the one for me for the black keys it, it's called thick freakness and it's their very first album and it is really 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 good music for me anyway anyway no, no, I agree. Um, I'm trying to look. I'm trying to see. Um, 
I don't know, man. Right, I mean, I'm not. You know, I too. I didn't. You know, my I cheated. I went to uh, I went to look at albums and I went down to Just my. For a reminder. Uh, I went down to my iTunes and I only go back to 2012. Uh, but I was a big fan of uh, you know Alabama Shakes album. I'm that trying to think of stuff that's one, not choice, not so. rap. Yeah, but I can listen to that one anytime. Um, and then I guess when it does come to some of the rap stuff i mean i know not everybody likes him but you know, some of these drake albums that he's putting out are i yeah. mean they're absolutely classics so um well i think that i think with take care that's that i think in, in 10 or 15 years people will say that that's a classic rap i mean wh- whatever your definition of rap might be in my opinion that's a classic rap album and that'll be one maybe one of the top two or three albums of this decade when things come to yeah. the end so the only other one I was going to mention in terms of like what I've bought and that I really was glad I bought it was the the Good Kid, Mad City from Kendrick Lamar. Yep, that's also I a didn't, great choice. I, I, I didn't didn't buy To Pimp a Butterfly, but I bought this recent one and it's garbage. Um, the oh, untitled, because it's just a bunch of un. It's literally just a bunch of unreleased demo tracks he did, and I was like, it's. I mean, I guess I get it, but it's not completed tracks that he was like, hey, you guys want to hear this? I wish I would have known that before I spent ten dollars on never see again. The thing sucks. So, um, but yeah, I'm I'm always open to suggestions. I mean, I it's kind of a running joke with my buddies. I'll they'll they'll play their music and I'll we'll bust each other's balls about <laughs> music. Like you yeah. said, it's just whatever you prefer, you know. No, and it's it's definitely a big uh, a big. Big, big preference thing. but I mean, I, I went to, uh, what was it, uh, last month I went to Dallas, and my little brothers are 26. They're my age, yeah. Yeah, 26, 23, 24. And uh, we, were gonna, we were going out, we were going to see Kid Cudi, and we were going to go out after that. And it's, I'm like, I had to wait for a while till I realized it, and they're listening to all this, like, I don't know what to call it, like, do you call it EDM or dance or like yeah, mix or it's, something? It's like an it's this like in between hybrid thing right. now that's like rapping EDM. And so I wasn't like disliking it, but I was like, well, we're about to go see Kid Cudi. Why don't we listen to Kid Cudi? Like, and and, and you know, I don't even know what this is. You right. know, it did and not so, sound like Kid Cudi. No, it was bad. It's horrible. Yeah. Is what it was. Um, but oh, I found another one. Um, Justin Timberlake. Future Sex Love Sounds, that's a classic album from the 2000s in my book. That's a good one. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, I'm just trying to – I wish I could uh, fire up the old laptop. I'm, I think my new computer only goes back to 2012. But, um, but yeah, I mean, there's – I think we've mentioned some good ones. I mean, I that's what I've been doing. And people, people never follow through on this. I'm like, hey, I just want iTunes gift cards. You know, because what just I really want to do, stuff, yeah. yeah, just to buy stuff because now you can just literally kind of build out your own library. And I had always, you know, back in the day, just downloaded stuff or, you know, got mixtapes and stuff like that. And that's fine. But then when you get a new computer, you know, you don't have album artwork. You don't, it doesn't transfer right, yeah. well. And at the end of the day, mixtape is usually 60% garbage and, and 40%, you well, know, stuff. I would go even farther and say yeah, 70, yeah, 70 or 75% garbage. Most yeah. Of the time. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, All right, cool. but no, yeah. there's some good ones. Um, no doubt. And I guess that's it for, for <laughs> talk with Matt and Will. No, but, exactly. Uh, we'll see you Grammys. Well, uh, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Cool. Did, yeah, we say, did we say the Strokes? I mean, I thought they had. Oh some good... no, we didn't. Ah, uh, yeah, they had a couple of good albums in there. Um, 
and I can see the covers. I can't remember the names of them, but the Strokes did have a good couple of good albums in there. Um, Cold War Kids had a couple of good albums in there. Uh, their first one, Cow- uh, Robbers and Cowards, is a really good album. Um, but yeah, man, that's that's the hardest thing, and it's the same as like with movies because it's all like personal taste as far as what you have because you may have something that's you know top five and for somebody else that may not even get anywhere in their if they made like a 50 list it wouldn't even get into it so um but yeah it's all just kind of personal preference thing and i think you guys kind of have a better idea of matt and i's personal preferences but anyway before we get out of here anything uh any other burning opinions or anything you need to 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 spin on matthew no man, um, I just need to fix my music library here. Uh, but no, I mean I'm I'm pumped. You guys are gonna get a ton of coverage from Rivals Camp. Uh, you're gonna, I mean we we usually cash in with two to three weeks of coverage from that thing. And so uh, I know you and I are gonna meet up Friday. We're gonna go see the uh, the Bash Bros or whatever we're calling yeah. <laughs> them up Frisco uh, with Dawson Deaton and Jack Anderson. So we'll have a little bonus coverage there. And, um, like we said, I mean, we've got, uh, Xavier Martin QB highlights coming up. We've got, you know, some, we'll start talking some of these targets. Maybe we start hearing about Coach Foster, but, you know, right now everything is, is what it is right now. I gotta, gotta get after it and start getting some of that information. So I'm excited to do so. Absolutely. Should be a big weekend for you and I to get a ton of recruiting information and kind of reset the deck. But, uh, Anyway, like I said, Matt, really excited for that. So uh, once again, you guys just listened to the Victory Bells podcast. Thanks so much for listening. I'm Will. He's Matt. And hope you guys have a wonderful weekend. See ya.